Hello and a very warm welcome to Footprints. You're listening to the April edition with me, Pommy Harmer. I'm bringing you this podcast every month in the run-up to the Bathscape Walking Festival this September. Now, I hope you have your rucksack packed and your boots on as we're covering quite a distance in this episode. We go for a walk with Tabby Collins from the National Trust up and down the eastern slopes of the city. And Jim Hardman tells me about the delights of living in and around Whiteway in the west of Bath all his life. And nestling nicely in the middle, we have our wise words with walking women. This month, Lucy Bartlett helps me not to get lost and talks all things maps and apps. When I was a teenager, we went to the woods. We went exploring all the time. We'd go out first thing in the morning and come back when it got dark. This is Jim. Jim Hardman spoke to me via Zoom to tell me all about his passion for the outdoors in West Bath. Jim, welcome to Footprints Podcast. Now, I'm talking to you because you grew up in West Bath, in and around Whiteway, is that right? Yes, I came in about 1982. 1982? Yeah, but I've always been either, do you know Bath, Down? Yes. Or Down. So did you mm-hmm. move into Whiteway then after it had been built? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Whiteway was built about 1940-something, about the wartime, actually. At that time, I would have been living at um, Obdown, Coomdown. They demolished a lot of old buildings in Bath, you know? Was Bath bombed and in the war? They had the Bedecker Raids in Bath, which um, they bombed for three nights. And there was a lot of damage, you know. It would have ruined a lot of areas, the bombing, yes. And so people were just being moved out to new premises. And what was it like when you were growing up, when you were sort of a teenager or a young person? What was it like? Did you go out into the woods a lot? Did you play outside? Did you roam about? Well, Tommy, I actually, when I was a teenager, we went to the woods, we went exploring all the time. We would go out first thing in the morning and come back when it got dark. Do you think kids do that nowadays? Not so much, no. Parents are more concerned, I think. I I don't know why. I think the media, there's a false scare putting out about um, children and going out on their own, you know. I think that's part of it. And also, with all the new devices children have got with um, their televisions and their videos, games and things, they tend to be stuck in home a bit longer. So how far away do you think you used to go when you were a child? How how many miles would you walk? You were talking in a, about a 10-mile round trip at the end, you know, exploring all the time, following the brooks, and um, just exploring, yeah. Yes, I think that we have lost that a little bit, that freedom to roam for miles and miles. We've, we've lost it, but I have noticed, because I've been working a bit on the side of the country, lots more people with the, with the COVID thing going on have been going out walking. 
and a lot of youngsters have been going with their parents. And I feel this is a good omen for the future. So that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Now, you've worked as a youth worker, haven't you? Yes, in the youth club here. Yeah, yeah. When I was in the youth club, I was probably helping at um, 25 years ago now. The children then were a little bit more outgoing than they are today. If I saw them all with their bikes hanging around, I'd say, why aren't we going for a long trip? And he might say, well, so-and-so's got a puncture. And I'd say, well, jump in the van. And I'd take them to, well, you, if you knew Wally Weir, Wally Weir is on the River Avon. Yeah, and I'd drop them off and I'd say, right, I might be back a bit later on and leave them to it. And they would swim and splash and have a whale of a time. I think they need the, 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 the guidance from school. If they've got teachers who, who can um, guide them in that way, to get out and about. And these um, outward bound, and um, what do they do on Dartmoor? The ten fours. Oh, yes. And they all go off from school and walk for the weekend exploring, don't they? So um, that's, that's a good thing. You grew up near English Coombe, is that right? And knew knew all about the flower nurseries there. That's the area I'm working at at the moment. Friends of mine, where the nurseries were flattened when they became derelict, they've now bought the seven acres and it's beautiful. It's on the edge of the country and they're... Uh, growing things and they've got a nice notice up on the footpath with all the various um, wildlife you see in the area and so walkers by it's a sort of triangle which are footpaths all round and eventually they go down to the brook and uh, you can walk along that to Priston and that's where the youngsters used to head for the brook so, well, I, I didn't know that there were any flower nurseries. Were they big ones? I mean, did they grow a lot of flowers there? They were huge. They, they, um, they employed 200 workers. Wow. And it was huge daffodils, tulips. In those days, if you've gone to Bath, there was always a big store by the Abbey Churchyard. And that was all their flowers. And during the war, they had to grow tomatoes and things for the government. Right. I think the, the Dutch flower industry got big. And I think they took over. And I don't think they could compete. What a shame. And so you've lived in Whiteway from 1982. What do you love about it, Jim? I love the position of it. On the edge of the country, I mean, we're just we're just a spit from the Duchy of Cornwall and all that area. It's a minute's walk and you're there. So I like that. I like the fresh air. We've got a community association and there's been a big park where we're 
things are being devised that we're looking at new football pitch, new five-a-side all-weather pitch, and various things for the for the youngsters. You've got the Duchy of Cornwall, you say, right on your doorstep. I didn't realise they came right up to Bath. That's where it starts, yeah. You know, Newton, St Low, that's the edge of it. I think you've got offices there. From then on, all the farms are tenant farmers. Now and again, Charles comes down to collect the rent. I'm sure he does. Have no. you met him? Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we'll leave that there. So just... Coming back to Whiteway and and the youngsters that you see around the place, and also adults, I think, how can we encourage them to, I suppose, come more out of their comfort zone and head into the woods and down the brooks and into the beautiful valleys around where you live? I think we might be able to help with this. The people who are developing this area I go down to, you know, there was a big siege farm, which which we renovated, and it's nearly good enough to live in. They've got some sheep down there, and they're going to have chickens, and they're going to make it a lovely place for people to go. There's trees in the park they can climb, you see? Yes, hmm. well, we all like climbing trees, don't we? Or did we? I bet you climbed trees when you were a bit younger. How high could you go, Jim? <laughs> It was always a contest. If you saw one, you would say, who's going up to it, you know? And then that's when the bravado came in then, and up you went. I still can't believe the one, the height I used to go, yeah. Fantastic, Jim. Thank you so much for chatting to me today. Okay, no problem. Now it's that time of the podcast where I'm joined by Lucy Bartlett from Bathscape and we bring you some wise words from Walking Women. Welcome again. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's April and in this episode we're looking at maps and apps. So this is all about finding walks, planning your walk, navigating on your walk. How good are you at doing that? I reckon you're very good. Um, I would say before the start of last year, I was out of practice and now better, but I do quite like an app backup to a map walk. (laughs) An app backup to a map walk. That's difficult to say. So do you always take a physical map with you? Yes, I do actually. Partly because I don't always use the apps when I'm out walking. So yeah, either a map or a book but the map is a backup sometimes. Okay, so if you were thinking about going for a walk this weekend, how would you think about it? So I think for inspiration or motivation and things like that, it's right, how far do we want to walk? Where do we want to walk? Where haven't we walked recently? And then look in some of the map books, of which there are there are lots of some really good ones, or some of the websites. Lots and lots of websites, including ours, have got links to, to routes that you can download so that might give you a map. It might give you a description. The books are really good because they'll then guide you round as well. Turn left at the church, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so it's a combination of that or plotting something on on a map 
if it's something where you think actually I want to do five miles I want to be in this location I want to I want to start from here and then plot it yourself the downside of that being you don't always know how nice the walk is going to be sometimes with the map books the people who've done the research for you they know it's a nice walk they'll give you a bit of information and take some of the guesswork out of it so tell me about some of the books that you've used there's quite a lot there are some which come in series I think there's there's ones that start in pubs or uh, country walks around Bath and Bristol I've done a lot of walks from Jeff Mullet and Nigel Viles's books and Andrew Swift and Kirsten Elliott have written about 14 books about walking in the Bath area, which include things about the the history and and stuff like that. But you can't really go wrong. I think they all have a pretty similar thing. They've got a map, they've got a description, they they tell you where to go. So so the more books you've got, the better, really. And I find that some people can't read descriptions and follow walks. They need the visual map to read. And other people can't read the map. They need the description. So... There's something there for everybody, isn't there? Yep. And I think the map books tend to have a sketch map, which that's where you probably need the the real map as a backup because it's not always that obvious. Not everybody is that confident reading maps or it's a a skill that you might have learned once and, and since forgotten. And that's partly where I think the apps come into their own, which is that reassurance that you are A, on a public footpath and B, on the public footpath that you want to be on and not a different public footpath. I think there's always that point in a walk, isn't there, where you think, am I just wandering through somebody's back garden or is this just a farmyard that I really shouldn't be in? And then you look at the map and then you get your app back up that says you are plumb on the line that you should be on and you think, that's okay. Yes. I am in the right place. Yes, because some footpaths do take you through what, appears to be a private property Uh, at the weekend we walked straight down somebody's drive and past their back door but but they had very kindly put up a big sign saying footpath through here so you know we knew we were okay but if you hadn't had that footpath it would you wouldn't have thought that was the place that you would be allowed to go so tell me about some of the apps that you use and I'll tell you about one that I use. I think there are several and some of them, things like Strava are, are for people that then map the route that they're going on as well, but you can see other people's routes or they're for cycling long distances as well. I think the, the good walking ones are View Ranger I've used quite a lot and Go Jauntly and All Trails. I mean, I know somebody who only started walking properly in September who absolutely swears by All Trails just decides where she wants to go, looks at a map, looks at where other people have done. It gives you all the information you need and it's it's very simple to use. And um, Go Jauntly has got some really nice features on it. Things like you can plot from home to, to wherever you want to be and then it will tell you the greenest way to get there. So the bits that go through local nature reserves or parks or, or whatever, so that's quite nice. And they've also got a feature where you can map, sort of keep a nature diary. So that's quite nice. A few ranger, I was looking at one this morning, a route from Saltford to Kelston Roundhill, which includes an audio of the local history by, by a local historian. So they've got lots of features, including with the free, you know, the free versions of them. Some of them have got challenges, but at its very basic level, you can move all of the other features from it and it will just tell you where you need to go whether you're on the right footpath whilst you're out navigating as well. So 
they do help you, particularly if you're worried about getting lost. And, and they do what Google Maps don't do, which is, you know, public footpaths in the middle of nowhere rather than just streets. So, yeah, I, th I think they're really useful. For me, they're always that reassurance. If I'm using a physical map, the app is the confirmation that you're definitely where you thought you were, should you need it. That is, that is really nice to see the, the little red arrow or whatever yeah. it is blinking at you saying, yes, you're here, it's fine. Well, I've used OS Maps recently. And I suppose the, the thing about OS Maps is if you've got OS Maps in your house, then you know, they link to all of to all of that. And many of us have got some OS maps. We haven't got the whole lot, have we? Because there's 600, well, there's 630 some, something. So the thing about OS maps is that you get the entire range of all the Explorer and all the Land Ranger maps in the whole of the UK for just under £24 a year. And within that, you can create your own routes. You can find other people who've, who've shared all their routes publicly. And when you create a route, this is what I really like about it, is it tells you how far, as you're plotting it, it tells you how far you're going. It tells you how long it, it reckons you're going to take. And then it also tells you the ups and downs. Yeah. So if you want to learn how to read contours, which I'm not very good at, if you plot on an OS map, it'll say you're going up and you're going down. I think, oh, well, that is quite a steep up, isn't it? Well, OK, that'd be all right. And that's really useful because then you might decide that you want to do your circular walk the other way because the steep bit you want to do uphill or downhill, depending on your preference. <laughs> and the gradual bit uphill or downhill, depending on your preference. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a really good point. Do you want to do the ups quickly or do you want a slow trudge? I prefer the ups quickly myself. It's it's how much impact it has on your knees, isn't it? Knees or lungs, which which is the fittest on any given day? <laughs> OK, so that's apps. And then what about uh, websites? You talked about websites. I don't really use any websites, I don't think. Things like the AONB, Mendips and Cotswold AONB, for example, they've got loads of downloadable trails. So, so it's similar to a map book, essentially. It's, you can download a trail that has got a map and it's got a description of the route covering there. So that sort of thing. So again, I think it's just a quick Google. I want to do a long distance walk in X or, you know, where where's good to walk in this place. And some some of them you'll just stumble across a, a random blog, but but others are, uh, are much more detailed. And you can download it to your phone and then it's then you're not using yeah. signal, are you? You can download it to your phone or you can print it out. A lot of them are just PDFs of a really nice route. And again, those will be have been done um the Cotswold ones they they'll have been done by the Cotswold wardens with good knowledge of of the best places to go yeah we usually tell you a good place to park if you're going to or something about the the local features i'd say those are probably the best ones okay and let's just move on to naturalist apps i know you wanted to talk about iNaturalist tell me about that so this is very good when you're on a walk and somebody says, what's that pink flower? And you will look at each other going, oh, I don't really know. iNaturalist is, is an app. Uh, it's another free app where you can take a photo, upload it, which you can do back at home when you're back in data if you, if you want to. It will suggest what that plant might be and you can look at another picture to see if it is. But the great thing about it as well is that then 
their community, somebody will then check that what you think it was is correct or not, or tell you what they think it is. And it also just helps build up all of our knowledge about the wildlife that is around. And there's a nature challenge coming up, isn't there? There is a nature challenge, yep. City Nature Challenge, which is the 30th of April to the 3rd of May this year, which is sometimes it's a competition, but at the, at the moment it's it's more of a challenge where different cities across the globe compete to see who can record the most wildlife over one weekend. But it's also, again, it's a fantastic way to get more data about what, what's around. So yeah, it's something that everybody can take part in. You just go out whilst you're on your walk that weekend and any bits of wildlife that you see or hear, take a picture of it and upload it and take part in that challenge. And that's all through the iNaturalist app. Yep. And there's other apps that you can... I, I heard a bird that I swear sounded like a donkey last weekend. Right. And I thought, I have to find out what this bird is. I mean, it was tweeting all day long. That's all I heard. And I got back and I downloaded an app called, I don't know, Birds UK. It's completely free. I went through all the birds I thought it would be, and there it was, the great tit. It sounds like a donkey. You heard it here first. Um, can we do an impression of it? No, because I haven't got a high enough voice. Yeah, I use the RSPB website as well, where you've just, you've glimpsed a bird, but didn't but didn't quite recognise it. But And that then says things like, you know, where were you? Well, I was in a bit of woodland. Was it bigger or smaller than a robin? That sort of thing. What colour was it? And then it, it will tell you what it is. And then you look at that and think, yep, that's what I saw. So that's quite good if you're just starting out. Birds being fiendishly difficult to get good photos of or get a really good look at. And then there's other ones that will that you can just point at a plant and it'll tell you what the plant is. Like leaf snap is quite a good one. So lots and lots of digital ways to enhance your walk Yep, this week. Thank you so much, Lucy. Next next month, we're going to be... Oh, next month, we're going to be looking at picnics, snacks, and what food to take on your walk. I'm very excited by that. I'm quite excited about that one. We will bring our snacks to, to the recording. Oh, will we? Okay. <laughs> How exciting. Okay. Thank you very much, Lucy, and we'll see you in a month. Thank you. And now it's time for our walk. We're delighted to be in the capable hands of the National Trust this month. Here's Tabby Collins to introduce herself. Hi everyone, I'm Tabby. I'm a ranger working on the Bath skyline. I've been working here for about five years doing conservation work with volunteers. The walk I'm taking you on today is not the skyline walk, which lots of you might already know. It's actually going to be a shorter walk, starting from our offices by Pride Park Landscape Garden. So you can start the walk coming up Church Lane. There's a track which takes you up past our offices. And then we're going to be going up Rainbowwood Fields, a very steep hill, through some woodland and down a very steep path called Pope's Walk. And then back through Abbey Cemetery, which is a really interesting cemetery. There's no parking at the start of this walk, but we're only a 15-minute walk from the train station and bus station, so it's an easy place to get to. 
So the reason I've chosen to do this walk um, is because I actually did it on a run, which was um, a really nice run. But when you're running, you don't take in quite so much uh, of of what you're seeing around you because you're obviously going quite quickly. So I thought it would be nice to do it as a walk um, to see a bit more. At this time of year, there's loads of flowers out as well. There's lots of birdsong, so it's a really nice walk to do. The walk changes quite a lot with the seasons. So at the moment, as I said, it's spring, so we've got lots of spring flowers like primroses and dog violets. But later in the summer, we have lots of different types of flowers in the fields. It's limestone grassland and we get lots of butterflies as well. So it does look completely different in the summer. In the autumn, we get lovely changes of colour and you get lots of lovely berries on the hawthorn and rose hips as well. In the winter, you get really nice frost on the ground. So we've got lots of anthills in some of these fields, which with the early morning light look really special. Uh, So it really does change a lot with the seasons. And even though I've been here for five years, I, I really don't get bored of the sights that I'm seeing. So generally, I do, I do a lot of walking. It's one of my main hobbies. Whenever we go on holiday, me and my partner will, we tend to go on walking holidays. So last year we went to the Isle of Skye. The year before we went to the Pyrenees and did a long-distance hike and, and camping trip. And every weekend we tend to do long walks as well. I do it partly, it's good exercise, but the main reason I do it is because I tend to be happiest when I'm out outside in, in nature um, walking. Um, the other reason I really like walking is because it really gets you talking. So even though I've spent this year in lockdown with my partner, we still managed to talk for hours out on a walk, uh, which is really nice. So I've just got to the top of Rainbow Wood Fields after a very steep climb, but there is a welcome bench up here to have a bit of a rest on. So walking up through the fields, I saw lots of primroses, nice banks of them. There's also lesser celandine all over the the grass as well. It looks quite subtle when the sun's not on it and the the flowers are closed up, Uh, but in full sunshine they all open up and then cover the field in a sort of waxy bright yellow, which looks lovely. I also walked past lots of anthills. So some of these anthills are over 150 years old, um, the sort of larger ones. Obviously the ants themselves aren't aren't that old, but the, the hill construction is that old. And quite often in these fields you see green woodpeckers, uh, which will be feeding on the ants, um, swooping, doing their sort of dipping flight through the field. Some of the other things that I can see here, um, we've got lots of wild garlic coming out and uh, lots of the trees along here, which aren't currently in leaf, but will be coming into leaf soon. You can also hear uh, lots of birdsong. I'm not great at identifying birds, but hopefully you can hear some of them and identify them. (laughs) 
So after my bench stop, I walked across an area we call the balcony. I think it's called the balcony because it has brilliant views of Bath. And I've just stopped at the other end of the balcony to take in some of those views. So looking out, you can see the Abbey. You can also see the Royal Crescent. You can see Beach and Cliff. And also um, further in the background, you can see Kelston Round Hill, which is one of my favourite places to go walking. And the Cotswold Way goes over, over near the top of it. As I walked along, just taking some nice smells as well. So you can smell the wild garlic at the moment, uh, which is really covering the woodland floor. And also the blackthorn, which is blossoming at the moment. So it's really white and frothy and has a really strong, uh, nice scent. So after this, I'm going to walk up around a sports field called Monument Field. We're going to be walking through um, a small area of woodland as well until I take our next stop. just walked into the woodland and if you go straight forwards um, and up and over a little hump you come across two fantastic beech trees which are next to a curious looking building belonging to Prior Park College. The beech trees have these amazing roots going over limestone and they just sort of look like they're melting down this slope and it's a really amazing thing to see. The woodland here is only a very small woodland, uh, but it's got lots of humps and bumps in it. And lots of these woods around here were quarried for limestone. And the humps and bumps that you can see are old spoil heaps that have been left after the quarrying. So, yeah, it's not a very old woodland and it's mainly dominated by ash with some beech trees as well. But still lots of bird, bird noise and I can see lots of heart's tongue fern as well so it's a special place to be after a short section on the road just opposite the Hadley Arms is a quite a hidden alleyway on Ralph Allen Drive um, and this is the alleyway we're taking now and it's called Pope's Walk The first few hundred metres of Pope's Walk goes through residential areas um, and also an area where they're constructing lots of new houses. This might not feel like the, the nicest place to walk at the moment, but it kind of brings home how easy it is to come from these resident, residential areas in the town into some really lovely parts of the countryside. You really don't have to go far to find these special places and that's partly why I chose to do this walk. As you pass under a stone bridge, the footpath really starts to feel very different and it starts to look quite old. And you can really imagine people walking along here a long time ago. The bridge itself was once part of Ralph Allen's network of carriage drives back in the 18th century. And the path sort of meanders steeply down now. And on your right, you'll see some fields which you can actually go into and take a quick detour and here you've got another really great aspect looking out across Bath. This field belongs to the National Trust as well, um, but it's not a very visited field. As I said, it's got really fantastic views. Standing in these fields, you look across and you can just see 
lots of other fields um, and just perched on top of the hill is Bath University but it's quite hard to believe when you see all of this greenery that you're only a mile from Bath city centre. As you round the bend at the bottom of Pope's Walk you emerge onto a wider track and can see the Abbey Cemetery um, which we're going to be taking a footpath into on the right in a minute. You might be able to hear some water in the background as I'm speaking and this is a bit of a stream that's sort of formed going down Pope's Walk. So a feature of Bath is that there's lots and lots of natural springs that pop out on the hills um, and this is because of the geology of Bath with all the limestone and the water being trapped and then popping out on the hills. Just past Perrymead Catholic Cemetery, on the right is a metal kissing gate you'll see which leads into the Abbey Cemetery. So I'm just standing in the Abbey Cemetery grounds and at the moment there's loads of primroses and lesser celandine out covering all of the graves. I believe this is a cemetery which is an overflow to the Abbey, so after there was no room left at the Abbey they started burying people up here. It's a really nice cemetery as with lots of areas like this uh, it tends to not be sort of managed and sprayed and that's why you get such brilliant wildflowers in these sorts of places later in the year I imagine it will be full of butterflies as well at the bottom of the cemetery there's a large poster explaining about the history of the Abbey Cemetery and there's also a poster directing you towards the Whitcomb Association's website which gives you more about the history of this area of Bath. So we're going to be crossing over Ralph Allen Drive and onto Church Street back to our starting point. On your right as you go up Church Street there's a footpath next to a stream which you could take as a shortcut back to the start. However if you carry along the road then you'll go past some 18th century buildings and a lovely old church so it's worth taking this longer route round on the road just to see these historical buildings. Just before you go around the bend on the corner is a small church called Thomas the Beckett Church which was built in the late 1400s. The church was nearly closed in the 1800s due to disrepair but funds were found to refurbish it. The last fantastic view you'll get on this walk is just past the church on the right above Stone Wall. It's a Friar Park College which was once Ralph Allen's mansion house, perched on top of the hill that we walked up near the beginning of the walk. As we come to the end of the walk we've travelled less than three miles and we've seen beautiful countryside, old footpaths, newer buildings and some very historic buildings. It's amazing to think we're just a short stroll from the city centre. Thanks so much to Tybee Collins from the National Trust. Now, don't forget that Bath is taking part in the City Nature Challenge at the end of this month from Friday the 30th of April right through to the end of Monday the 3rd of May. You can get involved by downloading the iNaturalist app for free and recording all the wildlife, wildflowers and plants that you see over the bank holiday weekend. Also, the Circuit of Bath 20-mile walking fundraiser for Julian House takes place on Sunday, April the 25th. I'll be there finding out all about it and I'll bring you highlights from the event in next month's show. Don't worry if you haven't signed up. There's another opportunity for you to take part in September. 
That's it for this episode of Footprints. If you've enjoyed listening, please do give us a review and subscribe through your favourite podcast provider. We'd really love to hear your ideas for future episodes. You can email us at info at bathscape.co.uk and you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And of course, you can find out more about the many, many wondrous things Bathscape does by visiting the website www.bathscape.co.uk. Footprints was hosted and produced by me, Pomihama. Thanks so much for listening and see you next month.